Hi again, everybody. This is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is Jamie Allison, and we are talking to the big performers in our space out there. Um, we talk to people from different backgrounds, different niches who are making big moves in their areas. We talk to athletes. We talk to CEOs. We've talked to people in very kind of creative spaces um, and people who are just doing really cool things that our audience can take away actionable items by the end of today. Um, and we are going to have that today. We have a really cool guest. Just before we jump into that, a couple of quick things. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that Jazz HR is one of our uh, is one of our supporters. And if you are a small or medium-sized business, and and now if things are starting to pick up for your organization, or you really have a few roles you need to fill, um, it's a great solution for you. It helps with um, advertising the roles, tracking the roles, interviewing candidates, all of those things. So definitely take a look at it, and you can uh, find the information for it on www.bigideabigmoves.com. Um, and and definitely do that if you're one of those businesses. The other side we're really excited about as well is that um, we have partnered um, on a uh, upcoming course that is a uh, career development career search course. It's called the Goldfish Strategy, how to stand out in a crowded pond. And uh, we know that in the next little while, there will be fewer jobs, but a lot of people looking for them. So we want to make sure that we help you get there. Um, and so uh, there is a waiting list uh, so that when it is launched, you'll be the first to see it. That again is at www www.bigideabigmoves.com and that course is going to be able to look at everything from helping you with your LinkedIn profile, helping you do video interviewing, which is going to be important uh, now the, the way things are moving ahead in business. A couple of those cool things. So definitely take a look at it and um, you know, get on the list so that uh, you can get more detail when it's available. Um, so today, really excited about our guest. Um, me personally, I, I've, uh, I've followed uh, his work for a while and, and really um, uh, excited about having a discussion with uh, Jeffrey Madoff today. Um, he is a director, a photographer, a writer, a professor in New York City. He's the founder and CEO of Madoff Productions, a film production company that creates branded content, including commercials, uh, web content, music videos, and documentaries. His online videos for Victoria's Secret have won the Kevin Webby Award, um, and his document documentary films have also won a lot of praise uh, as well. He's also the author of the book, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. So um, we're really going to be able to um, talk through some of that stuff today. And, and maybe just first of all, Jeff, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it today. Well, thanks for having me on, Jamie. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, uh, people that have either followed your career or are just now kind of taking a look at, uh, at your background, uh, they'll see that you have a real varied career and, and has built up over a period of time. Can you, can you give us a bit of a snapshot of the, the journey you took to get to where you are today? Sure. Uh, I've had, you know, like many kids, I had a lot of different jobs when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, and then when I started my first career, uh, which was shortly after college. I was working in a small boutique in Madison, Wisconsin. I went to the University of Wisconsin. I had a double major in philosophy and psychology, and I was on the wrestling team. So that what better preparation could you have? For going out into <laughs> that's the, the combo world? you need. That's the combo yes, you that's need. That's right. That's right. And uh, I got a call from a good friend of mine. Uh, and he had graduated a year before I, and he said that, uh, I saved up some money. Can you think of a gig that would earn more than bank interest? So I said, uh, yeah, I could start a clothing company because I was in the clothing store. Yeah. If I would have been in the bathroom, I might have said I could start a <laughs> toilet paper company. Who knows? Uh, but I could always draw. 
and my parents were in retail, so I knew a little bit about the business. And he said, okay, and he's next week, the next week I had uh, more money than I ever, ever had at one time. Uh, and that was $1,500. <laughs> and uh, I was ignorant, but not stupid. And the differentiator there is ignorant, you can learn, stupid's forever. And so I jumped into this business and established a proof of concept quickly because I was working in a clothing store, little boutique. I had some of the women who did the alterations for us sew together some samples, put them in the store and they sold. And then had some more made, put them in the store and they sold again. And it's you know critical in any kind of business you're in to have a proof of concept. So I had my proof of concept and that gave me the confidence to put together a sample line, strap it on the back of my motorcycle and drive off to Chicago. And uh, I sold to 15 out of 18 stores I went to and started a business. Now, you know, one of the interesting things is I didn't even know how to get clothes made. So, you know, that was part of the ignorance. So yeah. uh, I got like $55,000 in orders and then I had to figure out, well, how do I actually get this made and <laughs> deliver it in a timely fashion? Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, I think the main thing that I learned from that business was that all businesses are the same, the protocols for all businesses. So yeah. when I wanted to move from Wisconsin to New York and my financial backer, because I had to get a financial backer pretty quickly because my business was growing so fast. And to give you an idea how quickly it was growing, within 18 months, I had over 120 employees, two factories, and an office in New York and a national sales force. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and you know, I was learning every day. Uh, I was learning. And uh, so the business grew quickly. And my financial backer was a very good man, owned five banks in Wisconsin. And he was fifth generation Wisconsinite. And he was very clear at the beginning that he was backing me, not just because he thought I had an interesting business, but because I was, in, I was hiring Wisconsin people yeah. and providing jobs there. And they all banked at his bank. When I decided I wanted to move to New York, he said, you know, I'm not going to continue to back you if you move. And he was, to his credit, he was clear from the beginning what yeah. he wanted to do. But I felt like, you know, money comes and goes, time only goes. And I decided to take that risk and move and start over again. Uh, I had saved up enough money that if I lived modestly, I could, uh, you know, last for maybe a year. Lived yeah. in 11 different places, traveled around the world, and did live very modestly. When I ran out of money, I started another company. I built up that company and sold it. And while I was transitioning, that was a fashion company too. Yeah. And while I was transitioning, you know, selling the company, I met some people who were starting a film project. And I was really intrigued. I always loved film. Yeah. And ultimately, Jamie, I'm seduced by ideas. And then I try to figure out, okay, so how can I support myself doing yeah. something that I really love doing? Yeah. And with uh, film and then video, I felt like I could continue to grow as a creative and uh, 
continue to learn and that there was no limit except my imagination. So I took to it very strongly, very quickly. And I built up a company and had things on all three networks. At that time, there were three, uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS, and got yep. things on you know, quickly, started to get a reputation, and started working with clients and building a business doing that. While I was doing that, I was approached after a Ralph Lauren show by uh, someone from Parsons School for Design, which is one of the top design schools in the world, actually. Yep. And they asked me if I would do a guest lecture in their class. I did. I was invited back a number of times. And then I was hired to uh, be an adjunct professor. So actually, three weeks ago, started my 14th year oh, teaching this course. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, teaching this course, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas, which is what the yeah. book is based on. Yeah. Not unlike you. I come in contact with all kinds of different people that I'm constantly getting to learn yeah. like you. Yeah. Uh, and it's really fun. And I have license just like you again with the podcast that I can approach anybody I think is interesting Yeah. and say, I'd love you to be a guest in my class. So I've had amazing people. Uh, I'm constantly learning along with the students. And so that's really fun. Yeah. And then the other thing that's going on is I wrote a play about Lloyd Price, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Lloyd is someone uh, responsible for literally shattering the wall that was called race music. <clears throat> Prior to the mid-1950s, if you wanted to buy music by a black artist, you had to go to a black record store. There, it was called Race Records. So uh, I had done a documentary about Lloyd, which is how I met him. Yeah, I was so captivated by his story and him and his personality that I said, I know I can catch your voice. I want to tell your story. And he said, uh, all right, well, let's see what you can do. And I wrote the first few scenes and performed them for him. Yeah. And he loved it. And we've been working together since. So we now have a theater deal. Uh, I'm the wow. Producer by default, because yeah. when I started, nobody knew who I was in theater. Yep. And now we have a theater deal. And uh, the concern is we're supposed to open in May of 21. And depending on COVID, who knows if that's going to happen yet or yep. not. So I've got a lot of things in the air going on. And those are the different career pursuits that I have. Wow. Well, and, and, so I know in, in some of your um, some of your book and, and other things, you talk about the difference between, you know, the, the ideas, but then the people who actually make things happen. The differentiator is is the action portion. And it sounds like as you've went through, there's a whole lot of uh, take some action and it may not be perfect and go on. Like, is, is that something that you see as, as key? Is it, um, you know, is that the big differentiator you see with some of the people you're talking to? Uh, yes, to both questions. And, and, you know, the first day of class, I say to the students, how many of you have been in a gallery or seen a film? Because they're, they're film students, they're photography students, uh, they're artists, and they're designers. And I'll say, so how many of you have been in a gallery and saw something and said, oh, I could have done that? And, you know, almost everybody raises their hand. Yeah. I said, well, what's the difference between them and you? And there's silence. And then eventually somebody says, they did it. I said, yeah, they did it. 
Yeah. And that's the difference. And the sure way to make sure that nothing happens is to do nothing. So to take action and to, you know, because it's all about execution. The old ideas are a dime a dozen uh, is really true. It's how do you execute? You know, can you actually make it real? And so very much so you're, you're, you're correct. It's taking that action, taking the risk and risking that it's not going to work. But that doesn't mean that your overall idea isn't gonna work. What it just means is that way of approaching it might not work. And so you have to learn from the mistakes and the failures you make. Now, one of the things with your students, because the backgrounds that they come from, um, do you find, because you've brought in uh, obviously the same kind of thing, a very eclectic group of guests as well. and, And, you know, and not necessarily who you would prototypically think of as, um, as a creative, but they may be. So, uh, you know, how, how have your students reacted to that? And, uh, and how do you choose who you're going to have kind of connect with your students that way? So that's, that's a, a, a great question. And I'd be curious as to your answer on that too, because my feeling is as the professor and as the interviewer, and I even don't even like calling it an interview. It's yeah. a conversation. Yeah. You know, because if I was just going down a list of questions and checking them off, then I'm not engaged. So I can't expect the audience to be engaged. So for me, I'm a proxy for the audience. So I'm pretty confident that if I'm interested in it and I'm engaged in it, they're going to be. Yeah. So a quick example that just happened last week. Uh, I had Alan Miller, a two-time Pulitzer Prize winning journalist was also the founder of the News Literacy Project. Yeah. And the News Literacy Project uh, is really important. And what they're doing is educating high school and college students and now adults as to how to, how to vet for truth in journalism and reporting. Yeah. And how to spot fake news, how to vet sources in terms of what's factual and what isn't, how to yeah. separate opinion from fact. Wow, how poignant uh, is that right now? That's Really? Well, that's right. And I really wanted to get somebody in there because to me, everything informs everything else that you do. So, you know, it may sound like my career had very separate elements, but in fact, they're very much the same. And the protocols that all businesses have to employ in order to be successful go for all businesses, whether you're a filmmaker, whether you're a writer, whether you're an accountant, you know, it doesn't make any difference. You've got to have those protocols aligned and know what you're doing. So I think you can learn from everything and you might learn something from something you had no idea you could learn from. So I just, if I find it really interesting, I put it out there and I think I put it out there not only because of the great people that I have, but that I have such a hunger to learn. It's kind of unbounded. And I don't think that there are any boring topics, but there are a lot of boring teachers. I try not to be one of those. Yeah, that, oh, that's an excellent way to put it. And, and seeing how um, you do bring, bring in so many different people of, of different kind of backgrounds and, and different areas, um, you know, you, you talk a bit about how the protocols are, are, are the same in building a business or in building your venture. Um, how do you, you know, you talk about 
you know, finding what your value is and, and at, with your students, how do you walk through that? You know, how do you, how does someone out there who wants to be an entrepreneur, maybe wants to be able to turn their creative venture into something and it's more of a career, um, you know, what, what do you say about how do they find their value that way? So the finding your value and proof of concept kind of go hand in glove Yep. because what first of all you have to determine, and I think this is a mistake a lot of people make, is you can't be the only one in love with your idea. <laughs> you can't build yeah. a business that way. Right. You know, so you can't assume because you love it, everybody else is going to love it. So you have to put yourself out there to not only have that proof of concept, but to hopefully get feedback. You know, what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? Who's paying attention? Who isn't? And all of those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, I think that that's essential before you start off on any journey, you have at least a rough map and a compass so that you are hopefully going in the direction you want to go into. But that's what's, I think, really crucial, first of all, is to find out before you try to do anything, why would anybody want to buy this? whether it's a product or a service yeah. uh, and can you establish a proof of concept? So it's not just your opinion or belief in yourself. Uh, Cause you're going to get enough criticism and confront enough obstacles anyhow. Yeah. But if you, if you believe and you have an idea that is validated through that proof of concept, that's going to help you withstand a lot more because you know, you're onto something. Yeah. You know. Now, uh, it, because you have, you've worked with some really big brands, like, uh, you know, from, from your company standpoint, um, but how do you see that in kind of connecting your brand to whatever that, that is? Like, do you see it as a big kind of part of the business planning process of trying to figure out what your brand is and what it's going to be? Um, or is, you know, is that not as important to you? It's very important. I think that every business needs to know what their brand is. Now, what, another way of stating that is, what do you stand for? You know, what does your business represent? And so I've been fortunate because, you know, when I started working with Ralph Lauren, he wasn't yeah. a big global brand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw Apple from a little garage based company to the yeah. largest corporation in the world. Yeah. Uh, so, it's funny because clients will say to me sometimes right off the bat, well, we're no Ralph Lauren. And yeah. of course they're talking budget. Sure. And I'm saying, well, Ralph Lauren wasn't Ralph Lauren, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a process. And so knowing the direction you're going is crucial from day one. That doesn't mean that you don't iterate, that you don't pivot, that you don't do other things, but uh, it's really critical to know that. And so knowing what your brand is, why you are in business, what you stand for is absolutely critical. Whether you're a one person operation where your brand, and there's all this talk about personal brand, which mm. I find annoying <laughs> because your personal brand is your reputation. That's what yep. your personal brand is. You know, yeah. your personal brand is what people say when you've left the room and they go, wow, that was really cool, or what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That, that's what your personal brand is. It's a pretty, pretty easy check and balance <laughs> on it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so 
you know, you've got um, you've you've got enough of a career now that I'm sure you don't have some of the the self doubt in certain situations that some people who are maybe starting out as. But I, I think it is interesting for people to understand that that everybody does go through that at some point. Um, how do you, um, especially for maybe um, some of your students or some of those people that are asked talking to you? I mean, because you talk to um, even in your class, the influential people that you're talking to sometimes are really big names and really big kind of you know have lots of influence themselves. Um, how do you kind of manage that your, yourself, or is it something you even have to worry about anymore? Well, first of all, everybody is a person, and as a result. You know, everybody has their own insecurities, uh, their own issues that they're dealing with. You know, I mentioned Ralph Lauren, okay? Ralph is able to enjoy his walk down the runway as they're cheering at the end of the show. And by the time he's walking back, he's worried about what he's going to do next. I've worked with him for like 36 years. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like, wow, don't you? even allow yourself to be happy for like a full five minutes, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I don't know anybody other than those who are delusional, and there are certainly a number of those out there, uh, you know, that don't experience some doubt, uh, that don't experience, some have that fear of failure. The, the problem is when that stops you. It's not a problem to feel it. Yeah. It's not a problem to fear it. The problem comes in is when it stops your forward motion. And you're now, paranoid. how do you get how do you get past that? Like if 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 it is something that is uh, is holding you back, knowing that you know that in order to to make things happen, you have to act. Um, what are some of the ways that you think you know, get you past that that fear? So one way of uh, of doing it, uh, I believe, is to try to assess the risk. And I'm not talking about that in some, you know, complicated Excel spreadsheet accounting way. I'm talking about it that if you look at risk as from one to 10, 10 is catastrophic, if it fails, catastrophic, upends your life, irreparable damage. Yeah. One is basically there's no effect at all. And most risks we take two, three, four, some fives. Uh, And so when you start looking at it and have perspective, then I think it makes it less fearful. Now that may take you a little time. You have to process that emotionally so that you feel comfortable enough to move on. But if you can, if you can allow yourself to gain that perspective and you realize, you know, in the big scope of things, this is not such a big deal. Now, if it is the kind of deal that could be catastrophic and upend your life and ruin your lifestyle and possibly your marriage and you can't support your kids and you lose the house, then you got to be thinking about why would you place things in jeopardy like that? You know, and that's a whole other issue. But I think most of the things that we confront in business are much smaller stakes games. And when when you talk in your book about you know how how the protocols are very similar and if you follow a, a process and and you outline some of that process there as well is um, if if people are following that process do you find there's a real there's is there an area where people really stumble or is there an area that you think wow if if they just did this part a little bit differently then we'd have a lot more people being able to move forward in their businesses or their startups or whatever that happens to be 
Well, you know, interesting question because, you know, I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurial groups, but I also speak to a lot of businesses. Yeah. So I, I uh, did a workshop with the innovation group at Verizon. And it was interesting because their mission was, you know, to come up with new ideas. And so these were people that fell in love with the technology and what the technology could do. And there were, I think, eight different groups that I was meeting with. And my first question to each group is, well, why would somebody want that? And they couldn't answer. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, was it cool that the technology could do that? Yeah. But so, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, why would somebody buy it? Why would, what, what need is it fulfilling? What problem is it solving? How is it enhancing somebody's life? Is it making it something easier to do that was harder before? You know, what, what is it? And I think a lot of people, especially in the tech world, fall in love with what they're able to do without really thinking about the application and who cares. You know? Right, right. So I, did, I think... Uh, sorry, and it, and it becomes more about just the, the bells, the whistles, and all of those things, and not necessarily about whether they're applicable to the end user. It's that kind of whole customer experience piece that people aren't looking at, right? That's right. I mean, that's what Apple was so smart about. Apple never originated a product. Yeah, it was a Everything design. they ever did was iterated off of somebody else's work first. But their design was so good, their user experience was so good that they created the perception that they had somehow created this thing. Yeah. So they didn't create the smartphone. They didn't create the tablet. They didn't create the personal computer. They didn't create the iPod. You know, the iPod was the Walkman by Sony before yeah. that. Yeah. But because of how they marketed what they did, because they were very smart about user experience and making it a very seamless interaction between the user and the technology, they won the day in all of those different categories. Yeah. And so you in your book have went through and, and started to tie in different people's, um, um, you know, experiences and, and their own, um, I guess, bits of, of tidbits of information that kind of align with your, your protocols, like, like we were just talking about. Um, is there uh, somebody or someone that you've kind of, uh, you've been able to take some of that influence away from, or is there something, a piece of advice that you think stands out as, wow, that's, that's probably the, um, the one that I see as most impactful? I guess I will reverse engineer your question. Okay. And give you an, a, the most consistent answer I've gotten among all of those people who are successful and, and who yeah. have done really interesting things. Yeah. And that is perseverance. Yeah. And if there is a, a unifying thread or a personality trait, perseverance is it. Uh, and those who persevere, who can deal with the criticism who can deal with the emotional ups and downs of taking those risks, who don't let doubt stop them. Uh, those are the ones that eventually prevail. Right. And, and all of these people had what might be considered failures along the way or things that didn't work along the way, but that didn't stop them. Yeah. So I think the only time you fail is when that stops you. 
and you yeah. no longer are trying to do what you think is so valuable and so important to do. Yeah, it's really that resilience piece. It comes through in, in almost everybody I've talked to. And, and that's not even just kind of, that's not just business. It's, it's all walks of life. If, if there are high performers, almost all of them have that as being kind of one of the main drivers behind their success. So, really And I think, you know, there's an interesting other aspect to that, Jamie, and that is, I think to achieve the extraordinary success that very, very, very few people do achieve, whether it's a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk or a Ralph Lauren or whatever, yeah. uh, when you build a multi-billion dollar global brand, you also are obsessed. And yeah. that goes beyond just working really hard and working really smart because I don't think you build up that kind of a company yeah. without obsession. Well, and is, is that, uh, I mean, I think even more so connected to, you know, I think of your book, but also some of the, the stuff the creative space almost aligns perfectly with that because in many ways, um, you know, there's this almost a, a drive and a passion that is different than you might have of somebody just trying to create a, a business around widgets. This is about often some type of passion or, or real driver behind it. That probably gives an extra resiliency if, if they know the protocols to get there. Yeah, an extra, maybe an extra resiliency or also just uh, the passion propels you. Yeah. And by the way, that doesn't mean that that passion isn't delusional. Not everybody <laughs> yeah. makes yeah. it. Well, it's no that matter. piece also about, you know, if you love it and nobody else does, you're, you're still not going to get there. But that's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think that, the, that that is a really important aspect of it. And I think that that unifying thread of perseverance helps you weather the inevitable storms and obstacles that you're gonna have along the way. And I think one of the things that helps a person do that is keeping in mind why they started their business in the first place. And, and by the way, that's, that's in a way not unlike relationships. You know, you can be in a marriage and you can be going through some really difficult times. Yeah. And it's really important to pause and think, well, why was I attracted to this person in the first place? Yeah. You know, what yeah. kept it going and what's not there anymore? Is that yeah. my doing, our doing, you know, what is it? And I think the same thing in business when you're confronting some seemingly insurmountable obstacles, the only thing that's going to keep you going is that you've got a clear understanding of why you're doing it at all. And I think, you know, knowing that, and reminding yourself of that during especially those really hard times can help you persevere. Now, if uh, lots of people I'm sure are listening to this and, and scribbling down lots of notes and uh, um, if, if you were to say to somebody who's maybe early stages of this, just thinking through, you know, okay, how am I going to take my, my creative pursuit or, um, or, or what's really important to me and start to turn it into something that can become, you know, that career, something I can build a career off of. Um, if you were to say two or three kind of quick actions that somebody could uh, listening to could, could at least jump on to get things jump started, what would they be, Jeffrey? Well, I think, first of all, you have to explore the environment you want to live in. You know, so what are the given circumstances of that world? What are, are there other businesses that are trying to do what I'm trying to do? Of those that are successful, what differentiates them from those that aren't successful? And I think you have to study. Now, if you're a painter and you're driven just by your passion to paint, 
Yeah. Then you paint, but you also establish relationships and relationships are key in any business you're in. But if you're a painter, you want to establish a relationship with an agent, with a gallery, yeah. you know, go to art openings, start meeting people because until you have are established and you can have other people doing that for you, you have to get out there yourself. Yeah. And when you make those kinds of relationships and look why I'm here talking to you today, yeah. We have a friend in common. Yep. That's a relationship. Yeah. And she thought there might be a good fit between us. And, you know, so that's how this happened. Who knows who I'm going to reach through this or whatever. Yeah. But it, it's putting yourself out there. So you have to put yourself out there. So, you know, it doesn't make any difference what kind of business it is. If you're doing something that is, you know, in tech, go to meetups, go to conferences, meet people, see who else is involved in that world. Where can you connect with people? Can you meet journalists in tech and say, I'm working on this thing, whatever, you know, and start educating yourself and really uh, make that leap into that world so that you know where, what's the, what's the landscape of where you're trying to survive. So I think that educating yourself is really critical putting yourself out there and establishing the relationships so that you could go to that gallery owner and say, I've been working on this, or you could go to that meetup where you could show your new app or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And I think that, that that's really critical too. So you've got to act on your ideas. You have to get them out there. You have to get feedback and yeah, you can start getting feedback from your friends, but unless they're friends in the business and really know what they're talking about, I wouldn't suggest taking advice from people who aren't in your field because they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And so they may be very well-meaning, but it may not be applicable. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I would get calls by the way, uh, proud parents saying, Oh, you work for Victoria's secret and Ralph yeah. Lauren and these people, you know, uh, my niece is, is, you know, should be a model. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, good yeah. luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Good luck. I hope that works out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the parents have no idea what that world is. Yeah. And, you know, nor do well-meaning friends necessarily know in terms of the business you're doing, how that is. Yeah. So, you know, putting yourself out there and also, I think this is another important thing too, Jamie, which is you need to create a moat between yourself, yep. what you're doing and the critics out there so that you realize this isn't about you personally. They don't know you. Yeah. This is about the work you're putting out there yep. because I, it's very sad. I see a lot of people really get crushed and they can't deal with either the rejection or the criticism. It affects them in a very bad way. Yeah. And that moat is that protection so that you realize this isn't about you. It's about what you're trying to do and how they respond to it. Yeah, probably so, the toughest thing, especially now because everybody has an opinion and you almost in order to, to move things forward, you have to tap into some of those things that probably invite a lot more of those people into you know, giving their opinions. Right, yes. So. It can be tough. Um, okay, well, uh, you know, uh, we've had some awesome stuff today. Um, if people are going to, uh, how do they, how do they read your book first of all, and how do they just kind of follow some of some of your work, Jeffrey? Well, uh, my book is available at Amazon, 
Audible, Barnes and Noble, and all fine booksellers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they can go to uh, the recently set up a website uh, and it's a creative career.com. So they'll see some clips from some of my guests. Right. Uh, they can see what the book is about and all of that. Yep. Uh, they can look me up on LinkedIn, okay. Jeffrey Great. Madoff. And yep. uh, I started a creative careers group and post clips from the class and that sort of thing. So that's another way. Uh, and there's at a creative career, the at symbol, a creative yep. career, which is the Instagram posting, which it's shorter clips from the class. Yep. And finally, Madoff, M-A-D-O-F-F productions com and they can see the kind of uh, film and video work that I do. Great. And we'll make sure, so if everybody listening, if you didn't get any of those, we'll make sure that we post them in the show notes after. So, um, so if you go to www.bigideabigmoves.com, um, after this is out, we'll uh, have it posted there and any of those links. Uh, it's great stuff to follow. Uh, make sure you do that because um, you're going to hear um, lots of additional details, even, uh, even further than uh, we've heard today. Uh, the other thing is pick up the book. The book is, uh, has got some great stuff in it and, uh, and great nuggets of information for anybody looking to to have build a creative creative career so oh, i want to show you something else not yeah. only is this a shameless a shameless book plug <laughs> there it is there it is but i'm particularly proud because my daughter designed the cover no way really so that's another uh, way Nepotism. very cool that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's a whole other piece as well <laughs> yes. yes that's our that's our next podcast yeah that's How right to be the born next one. into the right family yeah, that's, that's right. right that's right that's that's a topical one too now so <laughs> oh no kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right well again it's been a pleasure and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon jeffrey i appreciate it and uh, to anybody listening we have more great guests like uh, jeffrey every week um, make sure that you if you haven't hit subscribe hit it now and uh, and you'll hear more of these every week again thanks very much uh jeffrey appreciate it thank you jamie this is great thank you all right and we'll talk to everybody again on big idea big moves <laughs> <laughs>